War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401 439-6028 439-6028 Yankee Tree Service YankeeTreeService.com What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming Experts based right in Lincoln Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today 439-6028 439-6028 Whether it's tree removal stump grinding, tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at yankee tree service their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best the treatment plan for your tree and maybe it's an emergency service did something come down call them today 439-6028 439-6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com listening to the john DePietro show folks it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com it's monday it is october 3rd uh certainly has uh, cooled off quite a bit folks my goodness uh the weather has uh i mean it's one thing when it's fall and hopefully uh as you just heard in the forecast the, the weather's gonna hopefully start to light up a little bit uh but this is uh definitely a li- to me a little bit of extreme i mean it's actually you know it's chilly out it's cold a lot of times you think of october weather at least i do i don't talk a lot about the weather on the program but tend to think of october weather i do anyhow is you know normally being uh, pretty nice and uh and somewhat mild and then apparently later in the week it will as we'll reach back to the 70 degree um folks so you know this is the big month i mean this is it uh for the next 30 days anyone that wants to get elected if, if they're going to do what they need to make a move and let's start off with the the you know it, as far as cd2 we're going to see in the debates i don't think this is to replace congressman jim langevin congressional district two you have two congressional districts one is congressman cicilline northern part of the state and then stretches over through the east bay to newport and then you have cd2 which is more however it's described the southern southwestern part of the state i guess but that is the the langevin seat so it is alan fung against general treasurer seth magaziner now i would argue right now that i don't think magaziner has been able to pierce the armor of fung they've certainly gone on the attack he continues to he's running a national campaign he's trying to say because of what's going on in washington he's trying to make the link to uh, former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung and President Trump. He's trying to argue about the outcome of the Supreme Court. So far, I, I don't think he's made a convincing argument. You know, Magaziner, he did, you know, he won two easy races for general treasure. So as much as he says, you know, he's won twice in CD2, he didn't really have a strong competitor. Let's look at former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung. Number one, he, uh, first of all, he had uh, he has his commercials in NBC Monday, uh, Sunday Night Football last night. Tom Brady in Tampa fell to the Kansas City Chiefs. That is the most watched primetime show. He had a commercial. Ashley Kalis had a commercial, the Republican challenger. I'm going to touch on her in a moment. But staying with the CD2 race, Mayor Fung now has to get through the debates. This is a very close race. This is going to be a close race. If Mayor Fung wins, He's going to win by a very narrow margin, and I think the same thing goes for Magaziner. It is seen as a toss-up-leaning Democrat, but that's just because the state leans Democrat. I think Mayor Fung is in a very good position. The, the mood is sour. Magaziner can't say, 
you know, I'm going to go down and work with Nancy Pelosi. He can't say, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to go to Washington and I'm going to work with President Biden. Biden is unpopular. Pelosi is very unpopular. And as we've talked about, the Democrats are about to lose the House. So now the most important areas right now, why this is such a good race for Fung, Cranston and Warwick, they're wildly important in this race in CD2. Cranston and Warwick are very important. In the past, Langevin's always won Cranston and Warwick. Now, where, where Fung has done well in the past, and think, two elements. He ran against Gina Raimondo. That means he was properly vetted. He hasn't incurred any type of new controversy. Since then, they're trying to link him to Trump. That has not been successful. Fung is a moderate Republican, much like Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker. The Republicans... Some of the conservatives may feel he's not conservative enough, but then you have to decide, would you rather have someone who's a moderate Republican who will go along with the leadership? Kevin McCarthy, he has been involved in this race. He came in to help raise money for Alan Fung. This is a very important race for the Republican Party. This will make Alan Fung a national figure. They want it. He'll be the only Republican congressperson from new england and on top of that he happens to be asian american so there's also there's a lot of anti-asian hate coming from the democrat side one of the worst examples is that marsha wranglin something uh on twitter all they do is they put his face up mayor fung and they say would you vote for this person you can't vote for this person it's all based on looks the asian hate that is out there coming from the progressives and the democrat party it's just atrocious it should be called out but mayor fung is is running with his brand alan fung has done very well on being a likable guy that people like he's been working very hard on the campaign trail he seemingly is everywhere i follow this i think he's out there more than magaziner is we're going to see how they can hold up in the debates i think mayor fung who has experience i think he's going to do very well in the debates um, because it's just really going to be the two of them. And then, you know, he held up uh, well against Raimondo, who was tough, and then held up well, you know, in 2018. That was tough with the three-way race that he was involved in. So as far as Seth Magaziner, I don't, th I don't hear, and I don't think he's made the argument that he's the person should go in. He is, you know, it, he is someone, it is, there's an era of entitlement to him. He thinks that the, the seat should just be handed to him he's arrogant he doesn't seem to be as gritty out there he's not as comfortable in his own skin he's very awkward he is who he is i think he would have been a more formidable he would have been a big challenger for governor mckee if he had run and stayed in that race for governor but magazine just he just seems awkward he's not making people feel comfortable voting for him and i think a lot of his attacks i think on fung are falling short now race for governor now these debates are going to start to come along first one is next week ashley kalis dan mckee i'll say this about ashley kalis she's everywhere she's really putting the effort in she's been campaigning with mayor fung uh there's a lot of spirit behind her there's energy behind her the, the decision, I think that the, the mood in the country right now is very sour. And I think Dan McKee is trying to say, listen, you have to vote for me because I'm, you know, from Rhode Island. I was the mayor of Cumberland and I was the lieutenant governor. I think, I, I don't think people, I think he just represents a direction that the, the state doesn't want to go. I think Dan McKee represents not the direction people want to go. All he does, we haven't seen the unions in this kind of control in a while. You'd really have to go back a while. It, it is a form of corruption where he just awards them these big contracts. Governor McKee at this point has given up on trying to lure any type of businesses in to bring in jobs. Now it's all about government funding, government programs, and just trying to give out more uh, government contracts, state contracts to the unions. That's not leadership. That also, that is so short-sighted. Governor McKee has not been elected. He, he should be so blowing her away in this race. And they're obviously seeing something. 
Governor Dan McKee has a problem with, with female voters. Female voters are not comfortable with him. He thought having Lieutenant Governor Matos would soften him up a little bit. It hasn't. He got crushed with the female vote between Helena Folks and Nellie Gorbea. And now he's up against a female candidate. So Ashley Kalis is going to have some big moments coming up. Ashley Kalis, she's lucky that McKee is not a great debater. He's not great on his feet. He's going to be cautious how he goes after her response. Governor McKee, folks, again, I want to remind you, he, you know, nothing has changed. Everything she has said has basically been accurate. There's an FBI probe. He seemed tone deaf on those raises that he was trying to give to the cabinet. He's had a, a number of self-inflicted mistakes and errors. However, he still does, you know, he still has the power of the office, giving away money for this, giving away money for that. You know, now he's giving away all this money for the homeless. I, I don't know if that's something that people feel. I don't know. Don't you? I think a lot of people say, why don't some of these people get a job? Why don't these people? Folks, they're moving more and more to we have to give free housing. This isn't a shelter anymore. Governor McKee's making an announcement. They're going to start to build. It's free housing for those that want it. That's the direction they're moving to. And you have to think in your own world and life of, you know, how many times, you know, you pay rent or you pay a mortgage and you're a two-person, at least, working household, uh, sometimes more, sometimes maybe less. But what is this now? We're going to start to give out all this free housing. And they try to, under the guise of, you know, they try to make it seem like everybody is disabled and everybody is a senior citizen. Much like that story over the course of the weekend, the Providence Journal, they couldn't even get through the story with, look how seniors are affected by homelessness and seniors and they can't even go to a shelter and then you read the story and the reason they can't get into the shelter is because they have a dog listen if you're homeless the first thing you need to do it's a sense of priorities if you're homeless the last thing you need right now is a dog is another thing to worry about take care of they can't go into the shelter because they have a dog so i'm not saying listen i, I understand maybe someone wants a pet but maybe this isn't the right time in your life to have a pet um because it's preventing you from getting shelter at night the first thing you need to do is find work and then also find a place to hang your hat at night not taking care to having taking on another responsibility and actually one that prohibits you from going into the shelter i mean someone's got to talk some common sense into these people you know there's a difference of someone that you have to make a decision okay you want to be a dog owner is this the right time for it there are sometimes there are apartments that say no pets so that's not a good fit and i would also argue you need to take care of yourself right now before you start taking on taking care of pets animals and in that case a dog so folks i i am anxious to see that i think there's a window of opportunity here for ashley kalis i actually do because of she's the complete opposite of dan mckee people are not happy with mckee i'll say this people don't want to vote for him even in the Democrat primary, 70% of Democrat voters wanted someone else. He's trying to almost like win by default. But I think that the people are in such a sour mood. I think they're looking for a reason to take a gamble on someone else. Now it's going to be a matter of whether or not Ashley Kalis is capable of being that person to convince them to actually vote for her. Folks, it's Monday. Much more ahead. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 
885-4209. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he's the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. And it's Justin Katz. Justin, I want to start off with this uh, Providence teacher, Ramona Bessinger. And there was a student walkout, apparently. She teaches a classical. Uh, she lives in North Kingstown. She was one of the Providence teachers that first, that I remember, that drew attention to critical race theory, what was being taught in the class, what was being taught in the classroom. But the more we learn about this, there's, there's now this effort to remove her from the Providence schools. And they, they try to make it seem to me, I want to hear your thoughts, that this is being led by the students. But there's so much wrong with this situation. Number one, has nothing to do with what she does in the classroom, what she does as a teacher, has to do with just some of the beliefs that she shares on, on social media. It says nothing about her ability. Number two, it's impossible to fire a teacher, as, as we know that's in a union. But the way this broke down, this accepted uh, idea that it, it almost becomes accepted fact. She's a racist. She's a white supremacist. She needs to be removed. She's against you know, transgender uh, children and so forth. And the way certain members of the media played this, where they're trying to flush her out, get her removed, I want to hear some of your thoughts on this. Well, I think to start with, you're, you're exactly right. They're, they're not quoting things she did in the classroom or said or, or talking about things that she's done as a teacher. They're reading from her Twitter feed and asserting that that means this or that or the other thing or it must, she must be doing things in the classroom. In fact, some of the coverage, uh, particularly from adult advocates, I've thought is, is getting pretty close to where it might be litigable slander just because yeah. they're, they're saying things that just are not, not accurate. Um, but what, what really strikes me, though, is this. I mean, I, I remember some years ago uh, that wacky family is the Phelps family that you know went around insulting soldiers and and so on and, yes. and anti-gay I mean really anti-gay first, not just not first Baptist uh, the first Baptist yeah yeah exactly they were they they were doing a tour and they passed through Rhode Island and, and some dozens of students uh stood on the other side of the street and jeered at them and local journalists were all about oh how these great kids telling them there's no place to, for that in Rhode Island and it just struck me as as not not right <laughs> like encouraging kids to go out and jeer at at passing people they don't agree with it just seemed like it not not the right way to go and i think that's what we're seeing now is that fruit of that is anything they they're not you know the, one of the first thoughts i had was where are the adults making a teachable moment of this going yeah. out and saying, here's how we address our differences. Here's an adult way to manage disagreement. No, it was just, Oh, these courageous kids going out there and, and calling for her head. I, th I think we're, we're in a, a dangerous spot with that is especially because now we've just had seen this project-based civics passed in Rhode Island. And that's, this is project-based civics. It's what did you do to advocate for a political belief? And it's almost always going to be a left-wing political belief. We've seen that's it in right. states as well. Was it uh, South Carolina, I think, where the students were walking out over falsehoods over what the governor had done? Things Virginia. like that. Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Yeah. Sorry. Um, that that's going to increase and we're going to see more and more of it. And what, what really uh, the lesson the kids ought to take, what real adults ought to be teaching them is how easily manipulated they are. If the kids in Providence are going to be protesting anything, it shouldn't be the Twitter stream of a teacher who's been in the vanguard of pointing out the crazy things their school district is doing to them. They that's shouldn't right. be protesting their poor results, their poor education that they're receiving, the money that goes into that education. That's what they should be protesting. But instead, they're out there showing solidarity against a, a teacher for her, her personal political views. And that's, that's just you're, you're being manipulated, kids. You need to see past this. The people, the villains are the ones putting you up to this, not a teacher who disagrees with what they're trying to do. You know, that's exactly right, Justin Katz. And not only that, if they want to protest anything, as you know, it was Infante Green had to address Providence teachers that wouldn't even stay after school for teacher. They wouldn't even attend open house night. I mean, that's new. They supposedly have this new contract. But let's go back to who's really, you know, behind this. And, and they'd love to point out, and I want people to understand this, that they love this narrative that the kids are doing it all on their own. That Ramona claims that there are teachers behind the scenes that are flaming it up. And, and then when I, I'm glad I, I don't believe any of the local 
real mainstream media covered it. I didn't see anything on 10, 12, or 6, and I didn't see anything in the Providence Journal or the Globe or so forth. I knew about it, but I told her in advance, if, if you go, if you're me, the first thing they start saying is, these are students, you can't film them, what are you doing here? They start making you know outrageous accusations towards you. But when, when it came time for it to play out in the media, look down the dial. I mean, the progressive have made inroads. It, it can't be ignored at WPRO. And the fact that who does Bill Bartholomew, who's filling in, have as a guest? Harrison Tuttle, the failed candidate, Black Lives Matter PAC. Why is he coming on to talk about a student walkout? Why wouldn't you have some of the kids from Classical? you know, come on, that supposedly organized it. And his narrative, in their nar narrative, is everything's, it's, it's like accepted fact. Well, you know, she's a racist. And she was communicating with Mike Stenhouse, who's a white supremacist. And they were against transgender. Like, it, it's all completely debatable. As you said, there's no evidence of anything that they can point to. But they start to talk in terms of, after a while, it's almost... To me, they talk like it's an accepted fact. Like, we all know she's a racist. We all know that she was communicating on Twitter with white known white supremacists, which would be Mike Stenhouse and Ocean State Current. I'll tell you, Justin, it, notice, though, the rest of the media was very cautious about going into this because there's no evidence against Ramona Bessinger in any way. Right. Well, I mean, what, what you're seeing there with Tuttle and Bartholomew is these, this is the way they talk, you know, among themselves. And you, you yes. argue with them. I mean, I've had arguments with a lot of these people. Oh, he's a white supremacist. Well, what's your evidence for that? And, it, you know, it's kind of a debatable thing you can talk about over a beer. Right. Is this person a white supremacist? But now they're getting into positions of power on the news media uh, in government. And they talked like that as if it is established fact. And that's why I'm saying I think we're starting to get into the, to the area where they might be able to sue them for slander. But the uh, the idea that they they just they assert it he's a white supremacist and now it's 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 fact to them and it's, exactly. it's getting it's getting to the point that and i think we're, we're starting to see if we're not careful is uh, if anybody's interested in history they ought to go look at the maoist struggle sessions where students were doing exactly this sort of thing only they were dragging the teacher out and putting a dunce cap on him and and all jeering at him till he cried and, and you know beating on him and stuff like that that's where this kind of thing can get if you're not careful and i think that's that's what this this irresponsible movement among progressives is but i mean to answer your question who's organizing these things if i'm not mistaken the providence this was a providence student union event and they were i i'm pretty sure our, our friend aaron our far left radical friend aaron regenberg was was there at the beginning helping to organize the providence student union not as a student he was he was at brown and ivy league yep i remember that state, but yeah. he was involved in that and this so it's it's just a, a radical group to to Give, to try to marshal kids to push the adults' political agenda, and that's that's really all it is, uh, and that that it really ought to be reported that way. And if there's media silence, I think some of it is just discomfort not not only discomfort with well, how can I don't know if we're ready to call Mike Stenhouse an unknown white supremacist. They that's part of it, I'm sure. They're a little hesitant to go there, but part of it also is to report this story. You would have to start to trace. Who's involved in these protests? Where's the money yep. coming from? Where's the impetus coming from? Where's the where are the organizers from the NEA who are probably somewhere lurking in the shadows because they're really just a progressive activist organization? Uh, those are the sorts of really interesting journalistic questions that could be asked, but they're not comfortable for the journalists or for their progressive friends. And so you get less coverage. And I think that's part of it. You know, and it's just the labeling, you know, the scarlet letter labeling and the name calling. And it also harkens back to when, uh, you know, they, they used an ad, um, uh, you know, they used an ad that then referenced it was actually, you know, Mike Stenhouse that did that. And then it was immediately removed or the fact that Deborah Giro did an interview with Ocean State Current and the lieutenant governor and they start taking shots at you. It, it's it's incredible to me and disgraceful the way they label and name call. We're now, you know, when I also know Bartholomew said like, oh, she was offered a chance to come on. Yeah, that would be like the type of interview of when did you, you know, when did you stop beating your wife type of thing? Why would you do an interview where you have a Black Lives Matter PAC person saying almost mat like matter of factly, you are a racist, you are a white supremacist. Like these are all known, proven, acceptable facts 
Uh, this is someone who, you know, is against all transgender. How do you walk into a climate like that and have any type of meaningful discussion? So, but it is, um, you know, there's, there's definitely, to me, a lot of uh, behind the scenes, and it is like the union, that they're against Nicole Salas. They were against uh, a Ramona Bessinger. And what they want to do is, you and I know, they use the kids as like the front person, right? They use them to go after them. Uh, and, and kind of do their dirty work so it makes it seem like it's it's student run. It goes back to that first huge Black Lives Matter protest that they wanted. This was done by kids from Central and Classical and Mount Pleasant. They did the whole thing. I, I spoke with the Providence police. They said it was it was you members of the union that were organizing the entire protest. That's who they had the meetings with. That's who when they said, all right, let's sit down and figure out where you're going to mar- start from March to the whole thing. It was all Ruggenberg. It was. Crowley, it was all that whole crowd was really behind the scenes. It's like the Wizard of Oz and the, the man behind the curtain. They want it to seem like it's organic. Like, and you could see in the Twitter feed, you know, hooray for these kids and look at how these kids are standing up for each other in the school. And this is what it's all about. And, and Justin, that's the narrative that they want. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and they'll they'll just they'll lie and manipulate to get it. I mean, I mean, you you, you mentioned, I guess Bartholomew said Ramona Bessinger could come on. You know, these people avoid any interview or discussion with anybody who disagrees with them and can do so confidently. And yeah. you, you can see that in, I mean when I was with the center, we had one debate years and years ago where we asked some progressives to come and participate in a debate. And after that, they would never do it again. They just, even just a friend and an even handed debate, they won't do it. I watch, it's almost, it's almost like a, a social media meme at this point where um, Mike Stenhouse is trying to get Bartholomew to, to come on his show and talk and just won't do it. They will not do it. Bartholomew years and years ago, when he was still starting out, uh, pretended he would have even-handed discussions with people, but he won't have on people who disagree with him no. uh, and, and can do so forcefully and persuasively. They're, they're just lying. And so they, unless they can control the medium, unless they can bully the person, like they presumably they think they would try to do against Ramona Messenger, uh, then they'll never, they'll never have that, that real genuine discussion. And they'll never go on, Tuttle will never go on a show where somebody might ask him, hey, by the way, what's your proof? Uh, and if, if he did, he'd have some Weasley answer and, and just pass on it. But he would never he would never give an interview where somebody would actually force him to sit there and justify his statements because they can't. It's it's just it's entirely political rhetoric that they're using to drum up uh, support for their cause. And a lot of it is to distract pe- the people in Providence and, and other areas from the fact that progressives are the ones harming them they're the ones causing all the troubles they need to keep that out of their out of their sights because otherwise they'll go and and i don't know do something crazy like vote for republicans who might actually get the state running correctly yeah and before we take a break wpr is going to have bartholomew who's york's producer moderate the debates now when i was at that station i mean they used to have the news department doing it i don't know why they veered off that but this is someone Listen, I, I've met him. He's a nice enough guy. It's nothing personal, but he is a socialist progressive. And the fact that like Aaron Guckian is going to have to go and this is you're, you're being moderated by in a debate of someone who's never voted for a Republican in your life. Anyone who's a Republican, they tie it in of you must be a member of the MAGA crowd and, and you're an election denier and you're an anti-vaxxer and every impression they have of anyone Republican is is beyond negative. And the fact that a mainstream station is having that person moderate the debate. Now, again, Alan Funk can handle himself. Ashley Kalis can handle herself. But but they should, no one should look at this like it's fear in any way or it's like a non-partial person. That is familiar ground. That is a wink from both McKee, from uh, definitely from Seth Magaziner, and even from Matos, for that matter. It's almost like having the ref on your side. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families specializing in ambulatory medicine 
Diagnostic Treatment Service at Med Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorising.com. Justin, last week, after Ashley Kalis has really started to turn up some of the heat and criticize Governor McKee, what I, what I am hearing is there's a, a big undecided here. He is still licking his wounds from the primary. Let's face it, he lost on primary day to Helena Folks. So he's really not the strong Democrat. They are not, you know, as much as they want to say they're united behind him. You could still make an argument. Seventy percent of Democrats wanted someone else. But what did you make of this? He described her as Siegel management. She's her criticism of him. And he turns it around. Of, oh, she's just crapping all over the people of Rhode Island. Number one, I certainly don't feel that way. But number two, that's how he starts to. I, I thought it was a moment. He seemed really angry, very thin skinned. And the things that she was criticizing him for, I, I think they're fair game. It was on the soccer stadium. It was on the raises that he wanted to do. It is a fact that FBI probe. If she brings those things up, I don't consider that, quote, crapping on the people, the state of Rhode Island. It's, it's, it is, an, to me, it's an accurate reflection of the mismanagement he's done after a year and a half as being the governor of the state. Yeah, well, not not just him. It's the entire Rhode Island establishment that he's yes. now sucking up to be a, a a big part of. But you know, it it did it struck me. Now it's with him. It's one of those things. Once you see it, you you can't unsee it. It's it's just seemed like typical McKee. I he just he low life. He cannot take the high road to save his life. It's always an insult. Maybe it's a good zinger. Maybe it's not. But you could you could see him like almost in the locker room after like, that was a good one. Ha ha ha. Seagull management. Just, it seems so petty and ridiculous for a guy who wants to run a state in the United States of America in 2022. The, the only, the only possible other explanation I could think of is if he, if his numbers show that that might play, that kind of attitude might play well with more of a, a blue collar type of person. He might, be losing or you could picture like the construction worker but i i tend to doubt that i think this is this is just mckee and part of the reason i doubt that is because it's it's so easy to turn around this kind of thing once a once you know the governor starts take stops playing it safe and taking the high road i mean it would be so easy for i don't know you just mentioned a lot of the the problems with mckee and, and we, we know a lot of the accusations against him are it's just he's buying votes and giving favors to friends and you know kalis could turn around and say yeah you want to talk seagulls have you ever been to a a beach and watch a seagull swoop down and take the sandwich out of a little kid's hand that's what you do mckee you know he's the seagull. i like that i mean yeah. it's, but it but i that's why i think it wasn't very there's a chance they're trying to play to a kind of a blue collar crowd that wants that kind of fisticuffs uh bat brawling in politics but i think it's more just he cannot take the high road he he comes up with these singers and he thinks like a schoolyard bully that he's, yes. he's winning the argument and i i, I don't think it's going to play well and i think it creates an opportunity for kalis and and justin what do you make of um what do you make of i think her criticism what has really stunned him is it was missing from the democrat primary there's another reporter that that seems surprised and and because i said to another reporter i said the state we haven't seen this type of corruption you have to go back to the ed dupree years as governor i mean it's it's every deal is like a sleazy deal the superman deal is sleazy the Pawtucket stadium all the bonuses the agreements he has with all the special interest um those are all like corrupt sleazy deal corruption doesn't have to be fifty thousand dollars cash in a paper bag this is this is a total form of corruption how do you think she's handling the message 
Well, I, I think she's honing in right in on, on the problem. And that's, that's why it's, it's causing some, some difficulties for McKee. I mean, this is the problem, his sleaziness and it's his, it's his weakness and it, cause it ties right into his temper. It ties right into his inability to be courteous. Uh, like when, when folks tried to call him to concede on primary night, he cannot do that. And it all just ties right back into this image of a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing and he's buying votes. But I do want to say one, this is a, this is an area, a real big blind spot in Rhode Island, especially there's, and I've had an experience with this in, with the ethics commission, with others, they've got this idea that unless it involves the private sector, it is not corruption. And that's, and that's one thing that's, that's a vulnerability, a blind spot of the political class. I think Kalis could, could leverage here. This is corruption. It doesn't matter that, you know, it doesn't make it not corruption because he's trying to buy votes. It doesn't make it not corruption because he's trying to get campaign donations from a union that is still corruption. And I think most Rhode Islanders can see that if it's pointed out for them. And I think there's an opportunity for Kalis there because he's just so, not only is he, not only is he egregious with it, he's just so bad at it. He's so obvious. He's like a, he's like a poker player with a million tells. You can always, you, you just, you know what he's doing. Oh, I, I'm giving out $3,000 bonuses for this reason or that, whatever reason. You, know, you can tell he's just buying votes and everybody knows it. So the more she can keep that story alive, the more, the more I think people will assess him to be not worthy to be governor. Folks, again, our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Justin, touch on the tweet you put out where you said that basically their message is, how do you think it's playing for him of like, you know, you can't manage a state that you're not from. Like, he's really trying to play it like, hey, I'm one of you and I'm from here. She's a carpetbagger outsider. I'll tell you, I I talk to a lot of people, Justin, and I think at this point, uh, they are very open to the fact of like, if he's from here, and therefore, he's the best we can get. I, I think a lot of people right now are of the mindset. And Trump kind of opened the door of that, of like an outsider coming in. I, I think people are more open to an outsider coming in than they may have been in the past. I think so. I mean, among among a certain group of people, like the especially those in the news media and in, in the unions, I mean, this is their state. They own it. <laughs> they, 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 they think it's theirs and they nobody can come and take it from them and so they're going to make a big deal out of i don't know uh her commercial where where they announce or mispronounce Pawtucket, you know that kind of thing but i i don't think most people care i mean i think under that in that class they think they're all progressive but they're extremely parochial but i think most people just they don't really it's not a problem to them and i I think it as i as i tweeted out i think they're mckee's getting in this this strange area where, and the, where the case for him seems to be, you know, if they're going to leverage the fact that she's moved to a bunch of different states, like the case for him is what? Oh, sure, he's corrupt and incompetent, but at least he's never lived anywhere else. I mean, that's just not a very compelling argument. That's just it just shows you how insular and it ties if she plays her cards right. It ties right into his and that would be a good debate jab. So maybe she'll hold it till then. It ties right into all of his corruption and buying votes. Yeah, he's from here. He knows all the pockets he needs to fill, all the hands he needs to grease. He knows how to how to play the Rhode Island game, and that's not good for the state. And that that sort of thing is just that's what I'm saying. He's just so transparent, and it all he's creating this this beautiful narrative of why he should not be governor. And it, so it's it it should be relatively easy for her to take advantage of that. It just leaves him with the only thing he's got left at the end of the day is going to be claiming he's willing to help allow women to kill their babies. I mean, that's about all he's he's going to have left as a white male. Well, I wanted to ask you that. He is definitely, what do you make of the fact that here it is, all the problems in the state, and we're definitely facing a recession and price of everything. And, and the message he seems to be moving into is that every, any abortion should be taxpayer funded and that, that that's the biggest difference between the two of them is he feels that the state should pick up the cost for that. Well, it shows you how little he's got left. And it also shows you how beholden they are to progressives. There's just, they, they can't afford to lose that machine, that progressive vote machine. And so they've got to be completely radical. But, you know, it just, it, it stuns me with with McKee in, in particular in Magazine, or we might talk about later, but the if your campaign, if your case for your being in office, especially an administrative, an executive office running a state, which which there's a lot that he may not realize it, but there's a lot that goes into that keeping a state running. There are a lot of departments, there are a lot of things you have to decisions you have to make about law and spending and budgeting. If your case is ultimately 
I'm for killing babies. That's, you know, maybe it's time to look in the mirror and wonder if maybe this isn't the job for you. Maybe you're not in it for the right reasons. Folks, again, we're going to take a quick break. Much more ahead. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing.com. Our segment is politics this week, right here on the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Cass, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin Ripta announced this week that they had a press conference. It's the first time we've actually seen them, but Ripta had a big announcement that they're short drivers and they have to, you know, start to cut some of the roots. You know, you know, this is we've had one green energy uh, ribbon cutting uh, press event one after another with Governor McKee of the green economy and Rhode Island is leading the way. What is it? Um, I don't think they've even hit the skin, the surface yet that Ripta is actually totally filled with political hacks. That's where Frank Montanaro initially went when he was driven out of the state house. Uh, you have all these state troopers that retire. They're going to get their pension and then they get a six figure job at, at Ripta. What, what is, and then you have the mayor of Warwick who didn't exactly leave the city in great shape. And then suddenly you know, there he is again, of course, and he got that job given to him uh, by Raimondo. But what do you um, make of the fact that Ripta, I mean, if, if anything, what, why weren't they given more stimulus money for retention for some of the drivers or more of an effort at the very least to train some people to become bus drivers for crying out loud? Well, you know, I, I think the... Um... What it makes me think of are the the employers, the public, the private sector employers I, I talk to who who are, can't find people to work for them, and so the Ripliff not being able to find drivers is not an unusual thing. I saw one one spokesperson saying that they they can't compete with the private sector who's paying more for for people with commercial driver's license, but the private sector is hurting too. I mean, all that means is that the private sector is having to slash spending elsewhere in order to pay drivers more, maybe. But I think what we're seeing here in my view, and you, you mentioned all the, the green ribbon cuttings, which are playing into why energy is shooting up so much, which, you know, in a, a couple of weeks ago, all the progressives were in, were in outrage at the, uh, the Public Utilities Council over the increase in energy costs without in, in, almost protesting too much, you know, because it's their fault with all the green energy debacles. I think we're seeing a lot of the same things with this mystery of the missing employees. I think one, you're seeing a lot of people just leave the state. And I think that we're going to be seeing census numbers showing that pretty soon with people, anybody who wants a real job has to leave. But also what do you think's going to happen when you start driving up the minimum wage to 15, $20 an hour, people aren't going to want jobs that aren't necessarily as as comfortable and relaxing as a minimum job wage. I mean, if you can go greet people at Walmart for, for eight hours or drive a bus around with who knows what going on in the back and the fumes and the traffic and the stress and sitting down all day on oh, my back, if you can do that for, if you can sit at Walmart for the same, same pay. Yeah. Nobody's going to want to do the bus job that these are progressive policies that are destroying the state and they they don't want to admit it. And they're just going to keep demanding more money and try to find people to blame. But that's uh, to me where this, this ultimately comes down to is these just, just ridiculous economic and energy policies. Now folks also, um, and Justin, the CD2 race, I mean, there's certainly a lot of ads it's tough to tell where they are right now. I might actually give Fung the advantage right now. Magazine is, I, I don't know. It's so tough. Uh, you know, Magazine seems to just be running on. He's going to be down there to protect a, a woman's right to choose. And all they do is keep recycling the, you know, the, the picture where Mayor Fung went to the inauguration. And someone from Rhode Island had merchandise and it was cold and gave him a Trump hat. And then someone took his picture. But how do you see that race shaping up right now, the CD2 race that was, someone's going to replace Congressman Langevin? Well, I mean, until we see polls, it's hard to know. I, I haven't seen anything. 
I haven't seen anything that would, would take away the lead Fung initially had in some early polls. Uh, so I, I think he's probably doing just as well. Uh, and I, but even if not, it's it's hard for me to. It's sort of like McKee. What's his his what's his argument? I I don't know. I mean, Magaziner's entire. I I haven't seen him say anything that he would act, he can actually do or any make the case for himself. His case seems to be I'm an empty party suit. I'll do whatever the party tells me to do, including protecting the ability to kill babies right up to the point of birth. I mean, that seems to be his entire argument, which whatever your political positions on abortion or anything else, I mean, that's not much of a case to send somebody to Congress. So I think that that's going to play a factor. And I, I just happened across an Axios article. It's a national political publication saying Fung may be the most moderate Republican candidate in the country. So, so at the same time that you've got, uh, you know, Magaziner, I mean, Magaziner's got nowhere to go but radical. I, I saw somebody else commenting that he, he's not going to center. You would think he would go to center to try to capture some of the hesitant Republicans. The fact that he's not, I think, tells you a lot about how weak his position actually is in the race. I think also when we do see them on the debate stage, you know, a couple of things about Mayor Fung. It, you know, he did run and lose twice to Gino Raimondo. But think of that for training. He's not going to be rattled on a debate stage. Uh, he does have practice. He's been an attorney. He was the mayor. He's actually, you know, he's been vetted. There's no thing that's going to bring out. What I like about him and, and the fact that last week he went and Governor Baker, the governor of Massachusetts, did a fundraiser for him. Listen, they are who they are. And I, I know that a number of Republicans go after them and they're not conservative enough. But it's as Steve Fryer said when they nominated uh, Mayor Alan Fung to, for, for Congress and said, I'd rather have someone I agree with half the time than someone I agree with none of the time. It is extraordinary. Right now, nothing has really come out that is really, I don't think, slipped up on, on Mayor Fung. He is someone that people know. I see him more aggressive out there. And Magazina, other than just using all scare tactics, I, I haven't heard anything. Now, he's not to be underestimated because he is actually uh, pretty disciplined. And I, I think he will be pretty polished on the stage. But Magaziner has not I don't think he's made any type of argument that he should be the one to go. I think, you know, 30 days to go here. I, I think this could actually be really tilting and this race could break towards Mayor Fung. And he's kind of doing it in a comfortable way. You know, he's he's staying within who he is. He's not going extreme. He's had to put up with those questions, Justin. Would you take the, you know, the, the Trump endorsement if you offered it? He didn't. You know, do you believe they stole the election? What do you think of January 6th? They have put up with all that stuff. You don't hear any questions to Magaziner about Biden. None. I do want to ask you, though, you know, the homeless advocates, you're going to really see a big push over the next 30 to 60 days. And what I still think, Justin Katz, that Governor McKee, they're not addressing is if you read some of the fine print, one of the things they want is flexible funding for the homeless. And I think they said they wanted like three million from Governor McKee. What people need to understand is we have we've somehow accumulated a pretty decent amount of people that it's not, you know, there was a fire and they don't have a place to live or something happened. And they moved out. There were people who were choosing that they're not looking for work. They don't like the confines of a job. They, they obviously can't live outside and camp outside in, in the cold weather. So this is where they want the, the state of Rhode Island to pay hotel vouchers for them to basically be put up in a hotel November through April. And then, you know, once the weather starts to break, then they get out their tents and then they go on their merry way and they live outside. So what do you make of, once again, we're going to be seeing the homeless advocates sleeping out at the state house and making this whole big thing of that the state's not doing enough. Yeah, well, a lot of it is they're just trying to get their cut of all the money that's sloshing around, the activists, yeah. that is. And so they're going out and finding sympathetic stories, although even some of them, I think it was the Providence Journal, it was a, a, a woman and her her elderly mother. And what, the reason they couldn't go to shelters was they had a, a dog and they, they couldn't bring the dog to the shelter. So the yeah. even sympathetic stories are getting to the kind of point where I think the average person says, you know, maybe find a home for the dog. Right. And, and, shelter but uh, yeah you know to me it comes right back to to the extent there is a problem here it, it's the same as it's, it's the bad economy it's the poor management it's the state going 
down. It's the state sinking that's creating a problem of, of homelessness. And so what you get are these advocates asking for more money to make a problem worse uh, that they created in the first place. What we need are, are people working. We, and we need, we need people to be able to build homes. And, and you hear all this talk about affordable housing, but a large part of it is the restrictions on, on who can build, where you can build, how you can build, uh, that stuff, that all contributes to the problem. And that's, that's what really gets to me. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a policy nerd, but you never hear that conversation as part of the homeless. It's always the sympathetic, how can they find a home for themselves and their dogs? Uh, I mean, it's just, no, we, we can't, we can't think that way. We have to protect people. Sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need it to be a thriving state where people don't need to don't become homeless and where there's so much opportunity that if they remain out of work, you, there's something clearly wrong that can be addressed because it, it, there's work available. You know, and think of that, you know, they can't go to a shelter because they have a dog. Listen, if you're homeless, you can't have a dog. You're going to make sacrifices like this is insanity. And the fact you're right, the journal, even they, you know, run into something like that. Folks, again, our segment is politics this week. He is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Have a wonderful week. Thank to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok, plus you, if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, dipetro.com. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ice honey maple syrup beef fresh gum over 250 bulk herbs teas and spices plus hemp and cbd products natural skin care it's my health pop in and see marie 1099 menden road in cumberland there's things for your pets there's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. To the John DePietro Show, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2 but visit the website dipetro.com that's the best way to reach me there's a direct link contact john we also have all our sponsors right there we have unique original reporting stories videos also all our links to social media whether it's facebook when we do facebook live or youtube or twitter it's all right there at the website dipetro.com and then remember once you're there you can also visit the shop we have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dipetro.com.